Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Today we are going to be talking about controversy, which I think would be our most controversial topic just by the nature of the the name. So I have a close friend, uh, one of my best friends that I've known since I was very, very young that would identify as agnostic, all right? And he sent me a random text a few weeks back. This is really early, or not really early, but it's 8 o'clock, 8.15 in the morning. And it went something like this. And this is a person that's probably not been in church for many years. And he starts asking me these questions. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, if God calls us to be humble, why is it that he wants to be worshipped all the time? Doesn't that seem arrogant? Why would God want us to worship all the time if we're supposed to practice being a servant and, and humble and all of these things that he is supposed to be? Now, my very first thought was, that is a very, very good question. All right? And it is a good question. My second thought was, I have had, as a skeptic and away from church for many years, that exact same question along with many, many, many others that we just don't have time to all go into today. And the third thing that I thought was, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I've not even had a cup of coffee. If you're going to hit me with this kind of stuff, can we not wait till noon or maybe evening? Because this was seriously like the first text that I got a few weeks ago whenever I was on my way to work, and I, I did end up responding to him. But today we know that the Bible yields less respect than ever before because it's considered to be a very controversial book. Now, if you grew up with the Bible, as some of you in here did, and as some of you who are listening today did, you don't really think about this because it's second nature. And you exist in what I would call, even if you've been a Christian for long enough, you exist in what I would call a Bible bubble. All right, so you're going to be lost on a lot of what we are actually talking about today because it doesn't matter how controversial it may seem, how strange it may seem, how much it may conflict with science, how much it may conflict with some uh, areas of reason. You just accept it. It's just something that you've accepted for a long time. And maybe there was a period, maybe not, but maybe there was a period when you went through a serious stage of questioning. But for a lot of people, they never actually uh, go through that. But what you have to understand is that most people in society, most people, this is a very controversial book. All right. I know that's changed a lot. I know that maybe wasn't the way it was 50 years ago, and it certainly wasn't the way that it was and has been over time, but it's becoming more and more and more questioned. Okay, so let's just name a few of these issues for fun, 
All right, and we're not going to have time to go into these today. I'm very sorry. Slavery, sexuality, and sexual orientation. Only one way to God. War and violence, specifically in the Old Testament. Polygamy, child sacrifice, rape, the creation account, suicide, contraception. All right, and this is not even scratching the surface of why a lot of people today are turning away from or rejecting this book. So for some of you, it's easy enough to say, well, well, God said it, I believe it, that's what's here, I don't need to ask any more questions. But other people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, whenever they consider some of the, thing, the things that are here. Okay, so as fun as it would be to discuss each of these topics, we're not going to do that. Instead, I'd simply like to make a few points that I believe are going to be incredibly helpful, and with these points, there are conclusions that we must draw. And if you never have asked, in some ways what I'm trying to do here is to bring the skeptics in. And for those of you that have always believed and never had any questions whatsoever, to maybe think about some of these things and how critical some of these things actually are. So with these points, and these conclusions that we must draw, something I want you to understand is this. We should never accept the Bible as something that we have simply inherited, okay? Instead, we should accept it as something that we should wrestle with in the pursuit of truth. So some of you in here consider it to be very dangerous for people who don't believe in the Word of God. And I would agree with you about that because I believe that absolute and final truth and final authority is here. I believe that. But at the same time, you have some people who grew up, they inherited their faith. They really, in a sense, inherited salvation. And it's kind of a, I've never asked any questions about anything. I've never stepped away from the shelter that I grew up underneath. This is the way it is. That's what the Bible says. That's what life means. And there is that's all there is to it. My opinion, and you may disagree, is that that is very, very dangerous. Because I don't know how you're actually maturing your faith beyond what maybe mom and dad taught you. I don't know how you're actually growing your faith if this book is not something that at least on occasion you've had to wrestle with. Now, for me, it was a, it was a very strange situation, which I grew up under the, the, the safe awning or umbrella of Christianity and never asked any questions. And in senior year of high school, graduating high school, like so many do, it's like that shelter or that safety net was completely removed. And all of a sudden it hit me, there are people in the world that think different than I do. There are people in the world who also believe they are correct about what they believe. So for me, it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was like, I believe it one day, and then another day I don't believe it. But over the last several years, as I've really grown into maturity with this book, there has been a lot of wrestling back and forth. 
So just a few preliminary statements that I want to make as we talk about controversy that you need to understand. The first is this. The Bible is not a book of self-interpretation. Okay, It's not a book of self-interpretation. And what this means is that we live in a very relativistic society today. It's not always been that way, but it's definitely that way today. And what this states is this, and this is a lot of your kids, and this is a lot of their friends, but this is how the rhetoric goes. What's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. And as long as you believe that enough, and you're sincere in it, and as long as I believe what I believe enough, and I'm sincere in it, keeping in mind that we're, we're kind of as we go with culture helping us, making these things up as we go, adapting them to what is best for us, well then as long as we believe it enough, all rivers will then lead to one truth. That's where society is today. Now people take this within their faith, especially if they grew up with a, within a faith tradition, and it's important for them to keep that, and they make an effort to interpret the Bible for themselves. And one thing that we need to understand if we're eventually going to approach application and what it means to really use this book is that we have to understand that we do not have the authority to interpret this book the way we believe it should be interpreted. We can't make it say what we want it to say. All right? So please hear this. If you are a Democrat, for example, this book is going to be greatly offensive. But wait, for those of you that are on the religious right, if you read this book and everything that it says, it's going to split you in two and also be greatly offensive as well. Last week I mentioned that I've, I've approached Beth before about issues that I have been so passionate about. And I've told her, I've said, I'm just, I'm, I'm really wrestling. And this is what I talk about wrestling with stuff. I'm really, really wrestling with this particular issue, with this particular thing. And she may say, well, explain to me, what are you talking about exactly? And I'm like, it just seems very clear through what D Jesus is teaching that there's a problem with this. And in some of those situations, it may be that a lot of mainstream Christians are actually fighting for this thing. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it seems really clear, and I'm trying to go to the Greek. I'm, try I'm, I'm trying to see what Jesus, I'm trying to place this into context. And it seems that this is a problem. And for every person that is in here right now, every person that will hear this message, if you've read the Bible and you've not been moved in some way, I don't know what the issue or the topic or, or, or the person that you're mad at or whoever it might be, I don't know exactly what that looks like. But if you've not been offended, then you're probably leaning on self-interpretation. All right, something else that I would say is that the Bible was not written with the 21st century specifically in mind. All right, the Bible is a book for all times, written specifically, if you want to get into specifics, 
to an ancient audience. And I say that for this reason, okay? If you lived and grew up in the 18th century, there were things here that were going to offend you. If we are still here in the 25th century, years and years and years, not us specifically, but the world is still here, people are going to be offended by what is here. People have been offended by what is here throughout the course of history. Think about as the New Testament comes about through oral history, how many people alive in the time of Jesus were offended by the things that were said. It is an offensive book, so we have to be very, very careful how we read it. So you may say, Matt, I don't like some of what's here. I have a difficult time with some of what's taught. You know what I would say to you? Join the club. I don't know if anybody, I have never met a serious follower of Jesus. A serious follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about somebody that just goes to church and goes through the motions or tries to tell everybody else how they should be living their lives. I'm talking about someone who approaches this in all honesty and says it in this way. God, I am going to attempt to trust what you have here, even if it offends me to move forward because I believe that it is truth. I have never known one person that has not come to me in some way and said, man, that is a really tough teaching. That is really, really difficult for me to go through. Some people will say that this is a, that this is a book of hate. And some of you have heard that. If you've not heard that, if you've not heard people say that, you're really deep into that Bible bubble that I was talking about. But if you're out amongst, I don't know, civilization, and people who are not going to church today, people will tell you that they believe for, for one reason or another that this is a book of hate. My opinion would be that you're reading it the wrong way. That if it's, that's your viewpoint, if that's how you see it, then you're reading it with a 21st century mindset, completely missing the context of what's here. So I'll tell you guys a story that you're probably familiar with, and this is especially for those of you that are really wrestling uh, with this issue of controversy and not liking what's here, or having a difficult time with what's here. Or maybe your viewpoint is even, there are some things here that just don't line up. When I consider things that have happened throughout history, when I consider how I believe certain people groups are taught, or I'm sorry, treated, when I consider uh, certain historical events and the way that the church has been in the past, there are some issues here that I just really find to be controversial. There was another individual, another man that you'll consider most of you to be very significant that looked at this book in the very same way, and his name was Billy Graham. And I know that some of you will be familiar with this story, but Billy Graham, as a young evangelist, had a very, very hard time. He went through a season of doubt in which he really struggled with what was here. And this is how the famous story goes. All right, so he's, he's out in the woods and he takes this book and it, it's nighttime. He's probably in his 20s and he takes it and he just kind of puts it on a tree stump, kind of like this, and he kind of steps away and he's praying and he's pacing 
and he's wondering what to do. And this is the decision that he makes that night. He says, God, I know that there are some things in this book that are very difficult, that I don't understand, that quite frankly just don't seem fair. And in some cases, he might have made the argument that don't seem ethical. But I am going to make the decision in this moment right now to trust this book. Even though there are going to be circumstances in my life, possibly people pass away, difficult things happen, relationships are broken, people are going to get sick. All of these things are going to happen that I don't understand. I am going to make this decision to trust this book with everything in me. And the rest, as we say, is history. I had the same, the same experience several years ago, and I am far from a Billy Graham. I had the same experience a few years ago, though, because I am telling you there are some people, probably more people listening, and that will listen later than are in the room right now, that have some serious issues with this book. All right, and I am telling you, if there was a question, if you came to me, I don't care if it's creation versus evolution, I don't care if it's the dinosaurs, I don't care if it's how could a, a, a good God uh, do evil things in the world, all the possible questions, why did this happen to my my friend, why did this happen to my child, why did this happen to my neighbor, whatever it might be, there are questions, because I mean, that's just my nature, and that's the nature that some of you, I, I am not a, what I would call, ignorance is bliss, I want to know, I want to investigate, I want to go further, I have had every possible question, ethical questions, that you can imagine, and there was a time, shortly before I got married, and I just made the decision, I'm going to rest the authority of my life and the decisions that I make on what's here. And if there is something that I don't understand or something that maybe I don't agree with or something that seems like a real issue, I am going to trust God to walk me through that. And every single time, God has been faithful to that every single time. So one thing that has happened, and, and people may consider me to be the dumbest, most backwoods, most unintelligent person in this world, but I'm going to tell you something. I have seen another life unfold. I can promise you that here on earth. And I'm also at peace because for a very, very long time, question after question after question, not only was I not at peace, it gave me the slight justification that I needed to keep this book at a great distance. Okay, so this controversy is a very, very real thing. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he referred to this whenever you take this step. And you want to know something? Maybe this is a step that some of you need to take today. In this room, listening online, that will listen later, you, you have the exact same kind of questions that I've had. You have the exact same kind of doubts. You have the what if I'm wrong. You have all of this, and you need to take that leap. You need to make that decision. It will change your life forever. So a few uh, brief points, and then I want to get to some scripture that we shared last week, but a few brief points that I want to make, and they are going to be pretty brief because I want to get into them to some degree next week as we start to talk about context. Here they are. The importance of context, the importance of genre, which we'll look at next, and then the importance of discernment. The reason I mention these, these three things is because these are tools that you can use over the most controversial matters 
and the things that you struggle with the most with Scripture. People often pick up this book, Ignorance is Bliss, Mama believed in it, Granddad believed in it, generationally we've went to such and such Baptist church, such and such uh, Presbyterian church, we've attended Mass at such and such Catholic church for so many years. I, I don't need to even go into any of that. This is very important if you're a serious student of Scripture. All right, and the first thing that I'll mention again is the importance of context, okay? It's been said, as I told you guys last week, and I'm sure that I'll mention it next week, the most important thing about reading the Bible, the most important thing is context. Making sure that you are reading in context. The second most important thing about reading Scripture is context. The reason this is said so much today is because if you're having a conversation with someone inside of the church, but especially someone outside of the church, they are going to pluck a single verse and they're going to tell you how unethical God is because they are completely missing the context of what's going on in the actual story. Often scripturally, we refer to that as, as cherry picking. When you pick this verse you like, that verse you like, to defend why you love the Bible or to defend why you can't stand the Bible. More on that next week because context means everything. The second thing is the importance of genre. And those of you who went through school and, and, and maybe studied English, you know what I'm talking about whenever I talk about genre. Like many anthologies and many books, the Bible has specific genres. Okay, a problem of the last several uh, centuries, specifically since the rise of fund fundamentalism after the Enlightenment, one thing that we're doing is we're reading everything in the Bible as literal history. Everything in the Bible was never intended. A lot was, a lot. But not everything in the Bible was intended to be read as literal history. This often refers to what we call the three Ps, which are very important parts or genres of the Bible. There are also parables, poetry, and prophecy. Some of that meant to be taken as literal history. Other parts not meant to be taken as literal history. Parables, poetry, prophecy. It changes the lens through which you're reading. The way that you read a parable of Jesus is not something the, the same way that you would read something in ancient Judea. The way that you would read the actual story of David, okay, is not necessarily what David intends whenever he is writing a hymn in the Psalms. So understanding genre is very important, but also understanding discernment. Whenever you read a passage, before you jump to a conclusion, especially regarding controversy, you have to be able to discern what's there. I want to go to the passage that we were in last week, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 through 17. If you want to look there, you can. If you want to look up on the screen, that's fine too. We are in a series on the Bible. I felt like it might be a good idea to use the Bible. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 through 17, we said that this is Paul talking to St. Timothy. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, 
talking about Timothy's upbringing. His mother was a Jew that converted to Christianity, knowing that whom you learned it, talking about his mother. And now from childhood, you have known this, how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here's the part that we love. This is one of the most significant parts of scripture that is about scripture. All scripture is inspired by God, or as some of your translations say, God breathed. It is useful primarily for four things. And this is where discernment is going to come into. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So now we're going to pull up those that we showed you guys last week, those four areas that are good. It is useful for teaching. All right, so there are some things that you just do not understand. And the way that God communicates with us in ancient times, in the medieval period, in the Renaissance, in the Victorian era, modernism, postmodernism, where we are today is through Scripture. That has never changed. So when we need to understand something, how to treat our neighbor, the teaching is there. When we need to understand how to love our spouse, the teaching is there. Whenever I, I failed and we corrected this, that Cora walked out of school the other day with a toy and she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I took this when Miss Cassie wasn't looking. We found out that wasn't true, so she, it, it, she wasn't stealing, she was lying. Teaching. What is the right way? And then we really don't like these next two. Revealing what's wrong. What we talked about last week, Daryl, in our, in our community group with Illumination. And then correcting what's wrong. No, I don't care who you are in life. If you're a 10-year-old and it's the parents, or if you're in, in, in senior living, no one likes to be corrected whenever they're wrong. And then also for training. So how is it that you take this teaching? Whenever we have revealed what is right and what's wrong, because Scripture cuts us to the bone, how do we then apply. We do this through discernment. We do this through taking situations in the workplace, taking situations in our single life, taking situations in marriage, taking situations where, when we're under a tremendous amount of stress, taking situations when we struggle with mental illness or addiction or anger or anything like that. And then we discern how to apply the scripture even whenever it feels difficult. Okay, this is not going to answer every question that you have about the Bible. It's not. And I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and this may not be the way that you want to hear it, okay? You really have one of two choices if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, or maybe if you're just on the edge, you're on the cusp of becoming a follower of Jesus. Your choices are really to have that, that Billy Graham moment in when you, which you make the decision that you are going to trust what's here, or you're just going to drive yourself crazy with the rest of your life knowing that you don't know and you never will know. And that's where a lot of people end up, and they say, that's fine with me as long as I don't have to accept ignorance as bliss. 
But I'm telling you that there is peace and that there is a better uh, way to walk through this. So I'm troubled, just to be completely honest with you, I'm troubled by people who call this a book of genocide. And I am troubled by people who call this a book of lies or a book of hate. But to be completely honest with you, I'm also troubled with the group on the other side that we talked about last week that want to run out of the house with the Bible during the, during the house fire that have absolutely no idea what it says. Yet they try to act like they are representatives of this sacred truth. So let me tell you a little bit about this book of hate that we're talking about. When people are talking about this book of, of divisiveness, this book of hate, the Bible teaches that every human life is of value because we were born in the image of God or the Imago Dei. Every human life is of value. This book of hate teaches that Jesus invites absolute moral failures to the table to dine with him. Not the morally superior, not the religious elite, not those who believe they have all of the answers, but those in the gutters of society. The Bible teaches that we shouldn't retaliate or return evil for evil when angry, but she did it to me. But he did it first. The Bible teaches this complex, difficult ethic that we are not to return that, but instead to return agape love. The Bible teaches forgiving others and not placing a disclaimer on who is worthy of our forgiveness. But Matt, you don't understand. My, my, my father was abusive. My ex-wife took me for everything that I had. This person stole everything from me. I didn't make the rules. And I didn't say that it wouldn't be difficult. And I certainly didn't say that it would not offend. The Bible teaches us that we are to love the foreigner. The Bible teaches us that it is wrong to neglect the poor. The Bible teaches us that we are to welcome the outsider. That pride and that using other people for our good will lead to destruction. The Bible teaches that gossip leads to ruin. And that words of encouragement lift others up. That we are to love one another to the point of laying our lives down for one another. That we should love our children. That we should mutually submit to our spouses. If these aren't good ethics, I don't know what are. If this is not a, a radical form of goodness, I just don't know what is. 
Now, here's the thing. Millennials, people born 1984 into the future, uh, Gen Z, people be, be, uh, born 1996 and beyond, they love these values. They love them. There's, there's some that they don't love, but they love what I just read. They just never see anybody practice it. And here's another, another issue, not only for the younger generation, uh, but also for a lot of other people. When we take the focus away from us, me, 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 and we say that it recommends a posture of surrender and giving ourselves to others. You see, that's the thing. We live in a world like this is the problem with sec secular morality. We want to do for others. We want to tolerate everyone. We want to be good to everybody. But at the truth, we are still at the center and still at the core. And the gospel rejects that. Are there tough issues? Are there controversial, controversial issues? There are. But the truth is, as we close, the truth is that the majority of people that I've met, their issues are not as much with this book and what it says. And it's also not with atheism or agnosticism or the belief that they feel that this, these things can't be proved. The truth is, at the end of the day, that the majority of the people that I talk to that rebel against everything that we've talked about, they're just really, really hurt by the church. And they don't know what to do about it. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning. Trusting, Father, in the sacredness of your word to continue to carry us. God, knowing that we want to use this book to build the foundation of our lives upon. God, that it will not let us down. That it will not point us in the wrong direction. And not because simply the special nature of this book, but because of what this book says. And what's at the center of this book. So we don't lift this book out, uh, book up as an idol. We lift it up, Father, because it tells the greatest story ever told. And that is the story of our salvation and our redemption and our unification with you at the expense of everything else in our lives. God, I know that there are people in here right now that are asking, that are asking why. And people that are struggling for a variety of different reasons and, and, and sometimes find the Bible hard to go to. It's easier to go to Netflix. It's easier to scroll through your phone. It's easier to talk to someone who, who, quite frankly, may be a very destructive person in your life. God, I pray that we lift this book up. We lift this, this sacred text up, Father, and make it an, an authority as we go forward. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.